Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense, common knowledge, or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do, but only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Before we begin, a note from our sponsor. I'm Richard Jacobs, Executive Director of the nonprofit Finding Genius Foundation and host of the Finding Genius Podcast. In late 2016, I was rear-ended at 65 miles an hour by a truck on the highway, which sent me off-road into a ditch. The impact of the collision gave me a concussion and other injuries. At the hospital, a CT scan showed that I had thyroid nodules, which turned out to be cancer. It was then, when I had a biopsy in my neck, that I realized, even if I was a millionaire, I wouldn't want a second or a third biopsy due to the pain and the invasiveness of it. And appointments at that time for thyroid experts were three to six months out. And I was worried about dying now, even if that was irrational. So because of this, I've decided to raise money to conduct a literature review on steroids, on the causes of anxiety and depression, a condition that affects well over 50 million people in the United States and hundreds of millions worldwide. Our goal is to create a codex, a guide that reveals all possible treatments for anxiety and depression for people that live with the condition or for loved ones that have it, as my wife and my son do. To find out more about our fundraiser, visit FindingGeniusFoundation.org and click on Current Initiatives. And now, to our guest. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, now part of the Finding Genius Foundation. I have the uh, ever-returning and ever-insightful guest, uh, Dr. Bill McGraw. Today, we're going to talk about glyphosate. I believe its commercial name is Roundup, but Bill will let us know. So, Bill, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me back again, Richard. It's a blast to be here again. Yeah, I guess if I if I had you back for every poison man made poison, we you, we would do like thousands of interviews or tens of thousands, <laughs> but we can only do so much. Right. So t- right. Tell me about um, uh, glyphosate. Well, glyphosate has got an amazing history. It's got an amazing uh, amount of toxicity attributed to it. Uh, there's been a recent book that just came out, which is one of the reasons that prompted me to really look into it further, and that's by Doctor. Stephanie Senefus from MIT. And this book was really intense. It's not for the average person. It's more for a PhD. But I mean, that was a good start to it. But I think there's even a lot more than what she's reported in terms of detoxing and some of the sources of glyphosate in the human body and the environment. But it's one of those toxins. And I've been detoxing people from uh, just a variety of different toxins, heavy metals and chemicals for years for five or six years now and it's been very rewarding and i'm getting into more and more different types of chemicals and glyphosate is one of those that you're going to hear in just a minute is an absolute doozy as i like to say but it's got a long history i mean that it goes back to 1961 uh, glyphosate was originally designed and patented as a chelator of metals and they used it to remove metals from pipes hot water pipes and boilers uh by the time 1968 rolls around it was again patented, this time as an herbicide for use in agriculture. Uh, and that's, a, that's already a red flag should be going up in people's minds. But in 2010, the same chemical was then patented for use as an oral antibiotic, as it was shown to kill a lot of bacteria. So it's fairly toxic stuff as it's killing all the plants and bacteria in the environment. And you can use it actually to kill your pipes 
and boilers if you don't want to put it on your plants. <laughs> Give me an idea of just Jeez. what a mean chemical it is. Now, the mid-1990s, is, as you probably know, we, we did a big thing on GMOs. The crops uh, around a pretty corn and soybeans were genetically modified so they could resist the devastating effect of glyphosate, which kills most every plant it comes in contact with. And so they genetically engineered these these corn and soybeans so that it, they, they could break down glyphosate and survive it. So the farmers started pouring a ton, and I mean a ton, of glyphosate on their crops, the corn and soybeans, because it, you know, it just didn't kill them and it just killed every single weed except for a few. Now, the few that survived had no competition against other weeds, so they became what we call super weeds. And those things really exploded in terms of their number and growth and caused a bigger problem. So what do you do? Well, what do you mean? What do you do? You just apply more herbicide. What's your problem? Right? So they yep, did. They applied more different types of herbicides and then more glyphosates and, and, the, and they just compounded the problem. How much so? Take a look, take, take a listen to this. In the past 50 years, Monsanto has sold 19 billion pounds of glyphosate. Okay. And right now the biggest application of glyphosate is not on corn and soybeans. It's for putting on plants to kill them quickly and dry them out and promote what we call synchronization of seed production. It's not even to protect soybeans, for instance. It's just to make sure that what no. they, they're no. all harvested at the same time successfully or what? Right. It's just to dry the plants out to make it easier on harvest and to synchronize, synchronize seed production so they all come do it at the same time. When you kill the plant, a lot of times you just stress the plant out, if you notice. It'll go right to seed. I see that. I do agriculture experiments, and I grow a lot of stuff. And you, you can see that in plants. If you stress the plant out, go to seed. It's anticipating it's going to get walloped, so it's trying to propel itself. All things want to mm. grow and reproduce. So that's the biggest uh, thing. And you'll find the highest amounts of glyphosate are consistently found in legumes. Well, <laughs> legumes haven't been genetically modified to resist glyphosate. They just apply it to dry it out, and they do that even here in Panama, they apply glyphosate by the absolute ton all over crops and uh, any weeds. Weeds grow like heck here. Uh, they really do. And there's they just out of control. You know, 365 days a year, there's a, an insane amount of water here. It grows. It rains rather uh, every single day of the year except for four months during the dry season. And you'll get about three meters of rain. So you can imagine what it does to the weeds. Now, let's talk about glyphosate in the environment. I'm going to present some statistics which are going to be hard to believe, but they're all documented in peer-reviewed scientific journals published in the very best journals available in science. So glyphosate is found in 75% of all air and rain samples from the Mississippi River system and all of the streams and rivers found in that area. And that was back in 2007. Right now, glyphosate is being more, used more than ever at the rate of 150,000 tons of glyphosate per year in the United States. And of course, as you know, uh, being from the U.S., most of the time, let's say north of maybe North Carolina, you really don't grow a whole lot for six months out of the year because you have a pretty heavy-duty winter. So you can imagine for six months out of the year, they're putting 150,000 tons of glyphosate on the agricultural soil. Now, this takes two years for glyphosate to break down in soils and water that's right, two years. It's well documented in the research. It can amount to one milligram of glyphosate per kilogram of soil in soils that have regularly have application of glyphosate. Now, you might have heard of colony collapse disorder from bees dying at a tremendous rate in the United States. Well, all samples of honey in the United States test positive for glyphosate, and there has been a documented 76% decrease in flying insects that are pollinators. So you can imagine what it's going to do in agriculture. 
it gets worse. Remember the, you might have heard of the big algal blooms off the coast of Florida, known as blue-green algal blooms or more proper cyanobacteria. Now cyanobacteria could use glyphosate as a food source. As you remember, phosphates get in the water, promote a lot of algae growth. And so when this glyphosate takes two years to break down in the water, it promotes toxic algal blooms. And sure enough, it's from the use of glyphosate washing into the waters of Florida. And then in summer, it takes a bit of heat Hmm. and boom, you've got a lot of toxic algal blooms. Uh, Glyphosate has been found in 84% of all water samples taken in the St. Lawrence River area of Canada. So when we talk about glyphosate, we know it's in most of the water, most of the air, most all the food, all the processed foods. And I think the the average, oh, here you go, 70% of all people in the United States are testing positive for glyphosate exposure today. 70%. So it's a regular part. We're going to find out how, how deadly that is. Glyphosate, in particular, in the environment, reduces beneficial organisms in soil and causes an increase in, in plant pathogenic fungi, which results in billions of dollars in loss in agriculture. Now, this pathogenic fungi can use glyphosate as a food the same way that cyanobacteria does. So it reduces the soil pH. It increases oxalic acid. I remember we talked about that. Uh, Plants make oxalic acid or oxalate in response to aluminum and low pH soils to bind it so they can live and survive. And unfortunately, it causes a lot of inflammation and toxicity, both oxalate and aluminum. Okay, in addition, uh, 150 million people worldwide are severely affected by fungal infections, which results in 1.7 million deaths per year. That's all attributed to increase in fungal infections from glyphosate. And that's more than tuberculosis and more than malaria. Now, glyphosate does the same thing in the human body. It kills beneficial microbes. And that's very important because the beneficial microbes create neurotransmitters, in particular tryptophan. And tryptophan is the precursor to serotonin, which is a very important uh, transmitter in the human brain and causes lots of problems when it's deficient okay so uh one of the craziest things this has got to be the craziest thing uh one of the craziest thing i've heard ever about toxicities it kind of it happens in mercury but i just never expected from a chemical like this glyphosate is very similar to the amino acid glycine and so it substitutes in glycine which is in almost every protein in our body and when that happens one quick thing, Bill, um, I right. heard, I forget from who, but they said, uh, if you take glycine as a supplement every day, that may be able to displace some of the glyphosate burden you have for your that- body. Before we continue, I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, We need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click on Support Us. We have three levels of membership from $10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click Support Us today. Now back to the show. That's absolutely correct. But too much of it can become toxic, so don't overdo it. What happens is, uh, this I'm not going to get into the scientific aspect of it because everybody's going to be lost here, but let's just put it this way. When you take a lot of glyphosate, when you take a lot of glycine or a su- su- substantial amount, it increases the opportunity of it to be incorporated into proteins. When that happens, then it beats out 
or outcompetes glyphosate into proteins, the proteins become viable and usable. But when the glyphosate, glyphosate, sorry, glyphosate gets into the proteins, uh, it sort of hides in the proteins in the body and it prevents itself from being detected. So when you have glyphosate in your proteins, it becomes part of the human body and becomes the malfunctioning and it causes a lot of problems with uh, metabolism. So yeah, glutathione, uh, glycine is one of the things you can take. And of course, glycine is a major component of glutathione. Might as well say it now. Uh, so when uh, glyphosate takes the place of uh, glyphosate takes the place of glycine in glutathione, it renders renders it useless. Now, as you remember, glutathione is extremely important in removing heavy metals, and it's extremely important in removing graphene oxide. And that's something hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about one day, because it sure is a hot topic these days. But with the big one, the big shot. That's all I'll say. Otherwise, we won't be able to get this podcast on anything. Okay, I've already mentioned killing beneficial bacteria in the gut. Uh, that's basically because, well, how does, you know, we haven't talked about this yet, but we need to. How does glyphosate work, for gosh sakes? Well, it prevents plants from taking carbohydrates and making three essential amino acids for the plant, which is tryptophan, tyrosine, and phenylalanine. Now, for us, two of them are absolutely essential. We have to take them in through the diet. That's phenylalanine and tryptophan. I think it's tryptophan, or tyrosine, I think. Uh, tryptophan, I think, can be made from phenylalanine. Anyway, the important part is that when we have, we're deficient in tryptophan, which is a precursor to serotonin, we're also deficient in vitamin B3, which beneficial bacteria make, and also melatonin. So you can actually develop insomnia from glyphosate. Okay. Now, glyphosate easily crosses the blood-brain barrier, lucky us, and it causes nerve damage by over-exciting neurons with glutamate activity. Now, glutamate is a neurotransmitter in the brain. 90% of all neurotransmitters in the brain are glutamate. And this creates a condition known as, known as excitotoxicity, which ends up killing neurons. Where might you ask? Well, it's very much accumulated in the, the hippocampus. Now, this is the same place where aluminum accumulates, same place as mercury, and the same place is graphene oxide. Ow! So you wonder why one out of three people above the age of 80 is dying from Alzheimer's. I'm going to give you four reasons. Aluminum, mercury, graphene oxide, and glyphosate, which is in those people's bodies. Now, we haven't even gotten on to the main, the main, one of the main things you'd expect, and that's that uh, glyphosate, of course, it chelates heavy metals. That's what it was designed for. So once it chelates heavy metals in the soil, it increases the amount of heavy metals taken in by the plants. At the same time, it chelates the good metals in the soils, and it prevents the plants from taking them up. How about some more interesting facts before we get into the good news of how you get rid of it? Uh, glyphosate suppresses taurine, taurine uptake, and taurine is a super important uh, part of uh, sulfates, and sulfates are super important to the human body, especially in detoxification. That's one thing that Dr. Stephanie Seneff talks about in her book. She's a big advocate of sulfates, and you remember sulfates are a big part of N-acetylcysteine and a big part of other important compounds that help us get rid of heavy metals. Okay, some of the other things toxicity-wise. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. Uh, glyphosate delays maturation process, much like mercury, because it interferes with the absorption of zinc 
It decreases testosterone, by the way, and makes males less fertile. Once it kills all the good bacteria in your gut, it allows certain bacteria like Staphylococcus and Clostridium to explode because there's no competition from the good bacteria. And of course, glyphosate has no effect on these good bacteria, no effect on the bad bacteria, just the good ones. Okay, what else? Well, glyphosate interferes with the production of acetic acid that the body produces, making the body more alkaline and ruining the environment, the intestine for the good bacteria. The other thing is glyphosate can cause peristalsis leading to constipation. Uh, It can attach to proteins that carry glutamate or phosphate. So it totally interferes with metabolic processes all over the place, both mentally and physically. It can uh, interfere with protein uh, digestion, allowing undigested proteins to enter the colon where bad bacteria such as E. coli break them down and contribute to increase of nitrogen, toxic nitrogen compounds, such as ammonia, which are also alkaline, creating further alkaline conditions in the human body. Question here, Bill. I I do hear some people talk about uh, people's bodies being too acidic and that they want to alkalize them. So does does it help in this case or does it hurt? Well, that's hard to say. Typically, uh, the cancer patients that I treat would have a pH in their urine and that's how you measure alkalinity in the human body. The alkalinity, alkalinity reserves in the human body are measured first thing in the morning. You take a, you know, just take your pH paper and dip it in some pee. You can, if you're a male, you can obviously just pee on your strip. That's fine. And then measure the pH of the early morning urine. And it should be somewhere around six, five to seven for cancer patients. I advise above seven, a little bit above seven, but it's normally natural, a little bit acidic. Now, if you have a serious case of cancer, you're looking at 5.5 or below. Uh, and that's what we call super acidity because the waste that the cancer cells produce creates a lot of toxicity. And as the toxicity breaks, these toxic compounds break down, they create acidity. Okay, but when we have an alkaline problem, it's normally an indication of dysfunctioning kidneys, allowing bicarbonates to get through the kidney. It's also an indication of yeast overload in the gut, which can create alkalinity. And it's also an indication of glyphosate toxicity because glyphosate interferes with proper digestion and creates alkaline conditions. Now, as you know, uh, within the colon, which is a major digestive organ, I mean, it's super important to help you digest important foods, including a lot of fibers from raw foods. Well, it's supposed to be acidic. And when it's acidic, good functioning bacteria, such as we'll talk about, what's the one I'm thinking of, lactobacillus is one, and I think it's called bifidobacterium. We're going to talk about that in a second. These two bacteria are always associated with good health in the human body. When they're absent, you're going to have a chronic disease condition because they're so important in working with the body to produce proper enzymes, to digest food, to produce important compounds for immunity, to produce important neurotransmitters, which enable the body to operate and function normally. So uh, one of the things that um, that glyphosate does in addition to this is interfere with the body's energy molecule NADPH and which causes a problem with glutathione and an inability for glutathione to be recycled in the human body because it gets used up and it needs to be charged up again. So uh, getting back to the alkaline thing, yeah, absolutely. There can be an alkaline condition cause, which is just as bad as an acidic, over acidic condition. The body needs very narrow pHs, you know, 7.38 in the blood and a colon 6.5 and the, you know, the uh, the stomach is like two or three and and then the, the small intestine is 8.4 because there's certain proteins 
that digest uh, proteins? Are there certain protein digestion there that happens that needs to have a certain pH? Mm-hmm. And enzymes to function properly need a narrow band of pH, and they don't work, and you're going to die. That's basically oh, so what Bill, happens. Yeah, Bill, that, that's interesting. Um, do you know of anyone that has ever shown you a, a pH map of the body? It seems like you spoke a lot of it, but. Yes. Yeah. Well, I can tell you what clients come to me and they have a high pH in their urine. The first thing you want to ask is, look, are you taking alkaline waters? Look, you don't want to take an alkaline water if your body's already alkaline because it could be just as dangerous as if, it, as if the body's over acidic. So the alkaline reserves, the only way I know to do it is early morning urine. Take the pH should be six, five, seven. And sometimes you can also do the uh, first thing in the morning, you measure the pH of your saliva. And then just spit into a dish and put that, put the pH strip in there. And then you see it should be around neutral. And that's how we manage the alkaline reserves. If you're pushing high levels of pH in the body fluids that we just discussed, then you have an issue of one of the things I just talked about. So, yeah, they measure those things. You know, you could do a pH of blood and all that. But, you know, the body, if, if you don't have these pHs, you're in trouble. You have a chronic disease condition. You have to have these pHs. The enzymes only operate in narrow band pHs. You learn that when you get into the advanced biologies in, in undergrad. Um, and so, you know, at one of the things, you know, you, one of the crazy things that's been going on in my life for the past year is every time I get in and I go down the rabbit hole and I read everything there is to read about things like glyphosate, it always comes back to the same thing. It comes back to th- these chemicals accumulate in the same areas of the body. They produce the same toxic effects. They're removed through the same processes. And so I, when I see this, I go, aha, that can't be, really? And so luckily there's good news because when I do these podcasts, I report the same kind of things, maybe a little bit of a different slant on it. But uh, it's interesting work, I got to say. We're almost done with this. Damage, uh, glyphosate damages uh, the intestine for sure, just like graphene oxide can, causing leaky gut syndrome. You know, glycine is an important amino acid in collagen. And when you have glyphosate taking the place of glycine in collagen, it can render the collagen useless, causing joint pain, increased fractures of brittle bones. And it can also damage the beta amyloid protein, causing the plaque. So this is one reason that they're saying that glyphosate can contribute to the Alzheimer's. And that is because it creates faulty proteins. And it creates, uh, anytime you have a faulty protein like a beta, beta amyloid uh, going into a plaque or causing, you know, beta amyloids are responsible for transferring uh, fats to neural tissue, and they're super important for the uptake in uh, uh, the neurons. So anytime you have beta amyloid plaque, then just that protein is destroyed. You're going to develop Alzheimer's. So that's one way that glyphosate increases the Alzheimer's. And it can cause, it's very well known to cause autism, depression, celiac disease, uh, immune suppression. And of course, according to the billion-dollar lawsuits in California, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Now, this is an interesting stat before we get into the detox. The interesting stat is that 90% of the $4 trillion spent on healthcare in the United States is associated with chronic illnesses caused by heavy metals and, and chemicals like glyphosate. It's pretty crazy stuff, but we spent more money on healthcare than any other country in the modern world, and we have some of the worst stats for uh, chronic disease conditions in the United States, just absolutely horrific. Every year, the the money provided for chronic diseases like cancer, heart disease, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, uh, you name it, it all goes up. And every year I hear the yeah. same BS. 
And that is that we have no idea what's causing it. I had some crazy, crazy guy stand up in one of my presentations and tell me that cancer has nothing to do with toxicities and immune suppression. It was just a neoplasm. And I just laughed. I mean, what am I supposed to do with that? That guy belongs in a psych ward. He's absolutely insane. That is what happens when a medical, and this was a medical doctor, of course. What happens is when you get a medical degree, most of the time you're brainwashed into believing that the only way you can cure chronic disease is through drugs and surgery. And then anybody like me who's curing disease through science and physics, there's something wrong there. I should be, I should, I should stop what I'm doing because I'm, Taking away profits. Well, you know, I'm a bad guy. What can I tell you? So, right? so Bill, um, because this is so pervasive, how does someone assess for themselves? Like, uh, we'll get into the testing in a second, but if they haven't gotten testing, can they tell if they have a low, medium, or a high burden of glyphosate inside of themselves? Like, what kind of symptoms will they experience at those three levels? Yeah, absolutely. The symptoms would typically be you know, a lot of the stuff I just discussed, Alzheimer's, uh, symptoms of autism with the brain and the hippocampus, uh, just causing malfunctioning hippocampus is going to be some of your neurological diseases that we talked about. A lot of times depression associated with decreased serotonin. Celiac disease is well known. It damages the gut. Glyphosate really damages the gut, causes leaky gut, inability to digest certain foods, uh, allergies, immune suppression. If you have immune suppression, you should get tested for glyphosate. And of course, the non-Hodgkin's lymphoma which is what, you know, the, the court system talks about. So you should get uh, t- tested for uh, traces of glyphosate in your body. It will come out in the urine. It can be tested in the blood. So this is what you need to do. And uh, when, you, when that happens, lucky everyone, I've got the Primo uh, Glyphosate Detox Program. And we're going to get to that right now without further ado, right? Uh, let's see. First thing, avoid GMO foods. All right, that's kind of hard to do, as somebody will tell me. I know uh, processed foods contain GMOs. Avoid processed foods because they contain aluminum and a lot of chemicals. And then non-organic grains. Remember what I said, one of the highest GMO-containing plants that you can eat is a legume. That doesn't sound good. Lentils are full of glyphosate. Why is that? Because they use it to dry the, the crop out, which a lot of people don't talk about it. But that's true. Another thing is wash your vegetables and fruits with water containing sodium bicarbonate at the rate of about a teaspoon per gallon. And you want to let it soak, and then you want to give it a scrub. And you'll remove most of the glyphosate from the outside of these fruits and vegetables. Uh, how about using a probiotic, lactobacillus and bifidobacterium? Yeah, before you move on, with the fruit and vegetables, you went quick. Um, so scrubbing them will get it off the surface. But uh-huh. depending on the porosity, I guess, of the you know the fruit skin uh-huh. or the uh-huh. uh, the vegetable skin, I mean, how yeah. much glyphosate is still in it? That's a good question. From the sources that I read, most of the glyphosate is removed from the outside of the fruit. You know, if you're going to eat a processed product, obviously you don't have any choice. But that's that's a good question. I don't know that that work has been done with people looking at the inside of fruits and vegetables because there's not a lot of grants and research to actually examine the total contents of whole foods. It's best to go organic when people aren't using it. But you can get glyphosate residues on plants up to a mile away from, from spraying. I mean, here in Cerro Punta, which is an area of high agriculture and high glyphosate use, you can get glyphosate killing trees miles away from the application of glyphosate in farms. And anybody who knows, who lives in that area, knows that, they can say, oh, yeah, that happens. So, unfortunately, I don't have all the information on the inside of fruits and glyphosate. I would imagine it does get to in there for a certain amount. 
Uh, but you're going to have your best bet is to go organic because, you know, the GMOs are no good for you to begin with and processed foods are no good for you to begin with. So it's kind of like I'm going to tell you the same thing no matter what podcast we do, and that's to try to go organic. Uh, so uh, the glyphosate kills a lot of the good bacteria, but lactobacillus and bifidobacterium are two beneficial bacteria, which really aid the body in chronic disease, uh, increase the amount of fiber like pectin fiber, which absorb glyphosate in the gut. Uh, like you mentioned, supplement glycine to avoid glyphosate incorporation into proteins, increase antioxidants to boost glutathione and increase liposomal glutathione, uh, increase the sun or vitamin D. Supplementation to boost glutathione. I just got done doing a podcast talking about how glutathione and vitamin D levels are related. And when you're low in vitamin D, you're typically low in glutathione and vice versa. So by supplementing with vitamin D, somewhere around 10,000 international units to start, well, uh, that can help you boost glutathione. And now they're talking about having higher or higher vitamin D levels in the blood than typically what doctors re- recommend. Now, this is an important one. Apple cider vinegar, humic, and fulvic acids with minerals will help to break down and remove glyphosate in the body. And that's one of the, I think, the biggest findings that you'll find that you're most likely not to hear is is eating organic acids or drinking them uh, will help to break down glyphosates and remove them from the body. And you'll, you'll move them out through the urine and through the gastrointestinal tract. And the last thing I'm going to say is lots of good filtered water. Uh, some of the filters that remove glyphosate are going to be your Berkey, but more importantly, a, a filter that contains activated carbon and ion exchange resin. Those two uh, type of filters will help remove glyphosate in the water. Remember, glyphosate is likely in most tap waters as well as aluminum, and they can be removed with those two things. Uh, let's see, the, uh, the carbon, activated carbon, and the ion exchange resins. They will remove those two things in the water. So hopefully you can reduce all four uh, possible intakes of glyphosate into the human body. And that's through the food by avoiding processed foods and and eating organic Uh, through the water. You can filter all your water through a complex filter. They're not very expensive. Uh, Through the air, you can be away from areas where they use a lot of glyphosate, which travels through the air. Okay, and what else? I think that's it, right? Food, water, Air, what else did I mention? Okay, so that's most of, I know that's, uh, Kent, a lot of the guys here, uh, that are outside in the, in the field spraying glyphosate, they don't use protection, uh, for, for, uh, inhaling or on the skin. But glyphosate is readily absorbed through the skin, and that's an area of toxicity and a possible transit of glyphosate into the human body. What do you notice about the, uh, the people that spray glyphosate as a profession? Like, what happens to them? Okay, I can tell you, uh, for instance, uh, my wife's brother, I th- my wife comes from a big area of agriculture next to the Costa Rican border. It's an area called Rio Sereno, where there's nothing but farms. Okay, and her brother died from using herbicides and pesticides because he did not use masks. And he died of cancer. He died of cancer. So I can tell you firsthand, and I've got another brother-in-law who's now in the hospital dying from uh, of taking a vaccine. He's got a blood clot in the brain, which has gave him a stroke. And then he's also got fluid in the lungs from pulmonary fibrosis and fluid retention. 
That side of the family does not listen to me. They listen to the nurse that they have in the family, and they're paying the price for that now. So I can tell you firsthand in regards to the glyphosate, it does cause cancers. All right, and these people, there's a high rate of cancer here in the agriculture community. Do you get do you get sprayers that come to you for help? You know, some of them that aren't family that for you to treat them, and they what they present with cancer to you or what? Uh, no, I don't, because those people are whisked away by the government into the hospitals. If you have cancer, you are required by law to receive chemotherapy that's promoted by the government. If you're found really? out to have yes, if you're found out to have cancer, you are required to complete all of the chemotherapy treatments. You don't really have a choice. Now that is, I was treating wow. a young girl who had cancer. Uh, one of my clients, uh, one of one of their daughters, developed cancer. Uh, this was a blood cancer, leukemia. She came to me for treatment. She escaped the hospital literally escaped the chemotherapy in the hospital and came to me. I treated her, and there's one thing I can do. It's kill stuff in the human body that doesn't belong there using right technologies, and I can kill any bacteria, virus, parasite, or cancer cell in the human body. I've done it 150 times, and I'm going to keep doing it. It's an easy thing to do. Find the resonant frequency that produces the signal in the human body. The computer picks up on it. Reapply that frequency, and then kill. It's an easy thing. The only thing that stops me is when the body presents a detox problem, and that's nausea, it could be fatigue, pain, insomnia, things like this, and people have to back off the detox and take a week or two off and then uh, drink lots of water and eat fiber and a good diet, and then they come back to me. Well, this the government found out that uh, this kid was not uh, completing a treatment and then demanded, according to her father, the government demanded that this child go back into the hospital to complete her treatment. And she did, and they killed her. They put her in a coma with the final treatment, and they killed her, and I ended up having to go to her funeral, look her father in the face with his eyes full of tears, and put my arms around him and tell him, I am sorry that this happened. So, And another thing with my brother-in-law is I am not allowed to see him. I asked, I want to come in and see him. They said, nope, you can't see him. So if I want to go and cure my brother-in-law, I've got to go in, break into the hospital, sneak in there, and apply a treatment of liposomal glutathione into his IV, and I can cure and save him. But I have to break in there, and I have to break into his room, which he's quarantined and under guard. Hmm. Okay. Well, Bill, that's great. Thanks for coming back for the uh, 500th time, and yeah. I hope to, <laughs> to talk to you again soon. So thank you. Yeah, I, I think we will very soon. Thanks for having me on. It's always a blast, and uh, take care. We'll talk to you soon. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.